Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, my name is Chris and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Roots Fiscal 2020 Second Quarter Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. On the call today, we have Megan Roach, Chief Executive Officer, Mona Kennedy, Chief Financial Officer, and Kristen Davies, Head of Investor Relations for Roots. Before the call begins, the company would like to remind listeners that the call, including the Q&A portion, may include forward-looking statements about current and future plans, expectations and intentions, results, levels of activities, performance, goals, or achievements, or any other future events or developments. This information is based on management's reasonable assumption and beliefs in light of information currently available to Roots, and listeners are cautioned not to place undue reliance on such information. Each forward-looking statement is subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected. The company refers listeners to its fiscal 2020 second quarter management's discussion and analysis and or its annual information form updated May 29, 2020, for a summary of the significant assumptions underlying forward-looking statements and certain risks and factors that could affect the company's future performance and ability to deliver on these statements. Roots undertakes no obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements made on this call. The fiscal 2020 second quarter earnings release, the related financial statements, and the management's discussion and analysis are available on CDAR as well as on the Roots Investor Relations website at www.investors.roots.com. Finally, please also note that all figures discussed on this conference call are in Canadian dollars unless otherwise stated. Thank you. Ms. Davies, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Megan Roach, our Chief Executive Officer, will discuss our fiscal 2020 second quarter operational performance. Then, she'll turn the call over to Mona Kennedy, our Chief Financial Officer, who will discuss our financials in greater detail, after which we'll open up the call for questions. Megan? Thank you, Kristen, and good morning, everyone. I hope all of you are well and that you and your families are staying safe. Before we get into our results for the second quarter, I want to take a moment to say how incredibly proud I am of the entire Roots team. While I have said it on multiple calls, it really cannot be said enough. Their commitment and agility have enabled us to take decisive actions during the pandemic and to effectively navigate the challenges we have faced in the current operating environment. During the second quarter, Roots continue to experience the impacts of COVID-19 on the business. With the limitations we face due to store closures and new requirements around physical distancing, we experienced meaningful declines in our store sales, which were partially offset by the strength of our e-commerce business. However, as a result of our improved DTC gross margins, success in controlling costs, and the benefit of the Canadian government wage subsidy, adjusted EBITDA improved year-over-year. Before I pass the call into Mona to discuss our financial performance in more detail, 
I want to discuss our progress on our strategic pillars. During the Q1 call, I discussed the areas of strategic focus for roots in the medium term. Specifically, I mentioned enhancing our understanding and focus on our target customer, creating brand love, making irresistible products, and enhancing our omnichannel experience, all of which are underpinned by a continuous commitment to operational excellence. Rather than discussing all areas each quarter, I will be focusing on the key areas of development within the period. This quarter, I will be highlighting our omnichannel and product focus initiatives. In this prolonged work-from-home environment, our product assortment continues to resonate well with our customers, notably with sweats having become an increasingly important product category for consumers since March. It is worth calling out that Roots, as a brand, is a sweats veteran. We launched our first sweats in 1979, over 40 years ago. Since then, we've innovated in the category continuously, improving our fabrics and silhouettes, as well as adding in new products. While still maintaining a title inventory focus, we complemented our long-term core favorites with exciting new offerings, such as our organic selection. Although this collection was only sold online due to our short closures, it performed incredibly well. We've also launched a number of exciting web-exclusive capsules this quarter, such as collaborations with Billy Bamboo and Kemptonwakwa, where our founders met, and limited-edition DIY sweatshirts, all of which sold out quickly. In addition, Karina Scheinfeld, our new chief product officer, officially joined us in early July, and she has hit the ground running. With an eye on building long-term sustainable success, the team is working on two main areas. The first is product assortment. We have numerous iconic products that have become synonymous with the brand, which comes from a long track record of building successful franchises. We plan to continue leveraging our core favorites and protect our brand builders while also seeding new programs for bestsellers. The second is building the product experience through the lens of the customer. As we continue to further enhance our understanding of our customer, we will be increasingly leading with their perspective in the design process. What they want, need, and expect from our products are the starting point of design. Outside of making great products, with the pandemic forcing fleet-wide store closures, our omnichannel shopping experience has become even more important. Our single view of inventory across e-commerce and retail continues to enable us to get the product to the customer through the most appropriate channels. During the quarter, it was hugely impactful for us to have more inventory stored in our distribution center and to be able to use the inventory across retail and e-commerce based on the demand. At the DC, we successfully fulfilled significantly elevated order volumes while maintaining full physical distancing precautions. In addition, we were able to leverage our ship from store and buy online pick up and store capabilities to meet demand. This helped to service online demand while also clearing store inventory that was trapped during the closures. We will continue to work to further enhance our e-commerce shopping experience, given the growing importance of the online retail channel across the industry and the increased demand from our customers. A good example is adding alternative payment services and other features and capabilities that improve the experience for existing customers or attract new customers. We are also continuing to evaluate the best way to use our store footprint to connect with our customers and create unique brand experiences. While we saw the impacts of COVID-19 on overall retail traffic, customers shopping in our stores had a higher intent to purchase, which is reflected in stronger conversion during the quarter. With more affordable rents and the greater availability of short-term leases, we are also seeing opportunities to take advantage of pop-ups to showcase key products and collections, capture event-driven or seasonal traffic, or testing markets. For example, we brought our pop-up back to Muskoka, a cottage area outside of Toronto, this summer with great success. We also launched a kids' pop-up at Sherway Gardens in Toronto last month, and we are pleased with early indications. The circumstances of the past six months have served as a strong reminder of the importance of remaining a company with authentic values and continuing to play an active role in supporting our communities. When we launched our Made in Canada non-medical masks in April, we committed to donating a portion of each sale. We have raised over 200000 for the Frontline Fund to date, 
and in the month of August, committed our donations to Black Cap. In September, we are partnering with the Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital, and we will continue to seek out charitable partnerships that support our communities going forward. In addition to our partnership with Brands for Canada, United Hearts for Canada program, we have donated more than $1 million in products to support charitable organizations across the country that directly benefit the local communities where we do business. We are also committed to using our brand platform to celebrate diversity and be a force for inclusion and equality. For example, we have challenged ourselves to push harder in our campaign casting in all aspects of diversity. This includes signing the Dear Everybody Agreement with Holland Blue Review earlier this year and commitment to include a greater representation of disabilities going forward. We also recently launched our new sweatpants fit guide online, which showcases, for the first time, more size inclusiveness in our models to help our customers find the perfect fit for them. In addition, IFA and the Black North Initiative CEO pledge committing that Roots will do our part to combat anti-Black systematic racism in corporate Canada. Internally, we are focusing on bringing people together from across our company to create a greater connection between diversity, inclusion, and equality activities in our broader business strategy. While we are making progress, it is important for us to make lasting change across the organization, which will undoubtedly take time. This pandemic continues to challenge all of us to work, behave, and think differently. Even though we have had to adjust plans and in some cases rethink our approach to the business because of the impacts of COVID-19, what remains unchanged are Roots' strong fundamentals. We are a trusted brand with a compelling product offering, well-developed omni-channel capabilities, and strong commitments to our community. While we will likely continue to operate in a period of uncertainty for some time, we believe the steps we have taken have enabled us to overcome short-term adversity and better position Roots for the future. On that note, I will pass it to Mona to discuss the financial results for the quarter in greater detail. Thanks, Megan, and good morning, everyone. I'd like to start by saying that I, too, am incredibly proud of our entire organization and our ability to work together, moving quickly to sustain the business and maintain financial health in the face of a global pandemic. With our temporary store closures and then a phased reopening with reduced hours and lighter traffic trends, our stores were closed for approximately 40% of the quarter. As a result, we saw a decline in our top line results. Total sales were $38.2 million, down 38% from $61.7 million in Q2 2019. Our decline in store sales was partly offset by stronger e-commerce performance, with us recording VTC sales of $28.5 million, down from $48.2 million last year. On the partners and other front, sales were $9.7 million, down from $13.5 million last year. This was primarily a result of COVID-19-related declines in our partner-operated Asia business. For the quarter, our DTC gross margin was 62.2%, up 590 basis points from 56.3% last year. As we noted last quarter, prior to the significant effects of COVID-19, we were executing on a plan to reduce promotional activity and drive more full-price selling. We applied the strategy in Q1 and maintained the discipline approach in Q2. We reduced the number of events that are aligned with industry-typical promotional windows and tested consumer response to lower discount rates. We also honored our heritage collections, such as salt and pepper, as well as our best sellers by excluding them from our promotion. We are committed to these efforts over the long term. However, we will remain nimble, responding appropriately to market conditions, especially as we move into the more naturally promotional second half of the year. In the quarter, we also benefited from a shift in mix towards our higher margin core sweats offering, as work from home continues to be the reality for a lot of people. 
We recorded 21.4 million in selling general and administrative expenses for Q2 2020, down from 40 million last year. Of the 18.6 million decrease, 11.8 million was related to COVID-19 driven cost reduction efforts. We realized personal cost savings related to store closures and our phased reopening with reduced operating hours and labor managed in accordance with store sales. We finalized agreements with certain landlords for rent abatements, and we benefited from a reduction of corporate costs in numerous other areas of the business. We also realized $2.5 million in savings as a result of the permanent closure of seven of our U.S. stores in Q1. In the quarter, we benefited from $6.1 million in government wage subsidies. We recorded $4.3 million in SG&A, $0.9 million as a reduction to COGS, and $0.9 million in capitalized labor at our leather factory. While some of our cost reductions are isolated to this quarter, there are others we plan to continue to carry forward to future quarters as we continue to navigate challenges of the current environment. We're still in discussions with some of our landlords, but remain confident we will reach mutually agreeable outcomes. We will also continue to work with our partners, suppliers, as well as service and logistics providers to identify opportunities for potential further cost reductions. As a result of our growth margin expansion, cost savings, and the benefit of government wage subsidies, we recorded adjusted EBITDA of $1.1 million. This is compared to a loss of $4.4 million last year, which included $1.3 million in losses related to our seven closed U.S. stores. Now turning to inventory. Our inventory balance at the end of the quarter was $58.6 million, up $4.6 million compared to Q2 2019. As we noted last quarter, in response to COVID-19, we have been working to carefully manage inventory and de-risk our overall assortment. We have reduced inventory buys, prioritizing key collections and product categories and scaling back in others. We have shifted goods out into later quarters. We have also implemented a pack and hold strategy for key perennial favorites, which we will put back on the floor when they are seasonally relevant again. With this approach, these items will remain in our reported inventory numbers until the same time next year. Also keep in mind that perennial favorites and enduring bicons, like our salt and pepper sweats, which are available year-round, or our cabin collection, which is offered every year, comprise approximately 70% of our inventory, giving us the flexibility to apply many of the inventory management strategies mentioned. In addition, with our Toronto-based factory, we have the ability to quickly react and respond to changing market conditions. Free cash flow for the quarter improved approximately $20 million over last year as a result of a reduction in CapEx and improved working capital. At the end of Q2 2020, we had $39 million in unused borrowing capacity on our $75 million revolving credit facility and net cash of $7.9 million. Net debt was $101.3 million, down from $137.8 million last year. We were also in compliance with our covenants. Navigating the past six months has been challenging. In the current environment, managing our business for near-term liquidity and cash flow remains a priority. However, we will continue to do so without losing sight of our long-term opportunities while positioning us for success in a post-COVID world. Operator, that concludes our preferred remarks. Please open the line to questions. Thank you. At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. 
Your first question comes from Stephen McLeod of BMO Capital. Your line is open. Uh, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to follow up. I just on the sales, uh, the sales number. Um, can you talk a little bit about how sales sort of progress through the quarter and how um, in-store sales are are performing uh, now that the stores have been reopened? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I think that the way we characterize it is, I mean, we are a more seasonally relevant brand, obviously, in the autumn winter time period. So, um, when we look at our sales, we did see some improvements in the trends as we went into the back-to-school period. Um, but it's been a bit difficult for us to pr- look at a specific trend as a result of the fact that we're really seeing a prolonged back-to-school period now with provinces really changing when they're going back to school, and especially in Ontario, really it's significant. Um, the, the moving around when they're doing that throughout the last couple of weeks. Um, so we've been pleased so far with the way our business has trended in the last couple of weeks as we go back into our peak period. Um, but we've seen a lot of variability across the country and across our different formats of our stores. Okay. Okay, that's uh, that's helpful. Um, and then can you talk a little bit about uh, in terms of the cost? So SG&A was down quite substantially year over year. Um, and, uh, and, and, and Mona, you, you addressed a little bit of this in your remarks, but how much are you able to quantify how much of that, uh, that, that 18.6 million, uh, decline is recurring, uh, versus one time in nature, or maybe not one time, but more related to COVID-19, I guess. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the cost savings that we see with the quarter, uh, one of the uh, large ones is obviously the government wage subsidy, which is going to be recurring uh, to the extent that we qualify in future quarters. Um, in terms of uh, other costs, the closure of our U.S. stores benefited us by $2.5 million. That's going to continue into future quarters, as we've discussed previously. Um, we're going to continually manage our labor at the stores in relation to our sales. Um, and add labor as needed. Um, from a rent perspective, we're in negotiations with our landlords, and uh, we should expect some savings in future quarters, um, but that's dependent on the outcome of the negotiations. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, for the past six months, we've been making shifts in how we manage expenses and our corporate savings, and we're going to continue to do that and approach it in a disciplined way. Okay, that's uh, that's helpful. Um, of that 11.8 million, which was the large the large year over year decline bucket, um, what, what, are you able to, to quantify the breakdown between um, you know lower wages, uh, labor, I guess rent and, and and overall corporate costs? Like how much of that larger bucket is how that breaks down between um, you know some recurring and some sort of contained to this period. We don't provide that level of detail, uh, unfortunately. Okay. Okay, no, that's fine. Um, and then maybe just finally, in terms of the inventory, um, you talked a little bit about, uh, uh, I just want to make sure I understood this correctly, but I, it sounded as though um, you know, a lot of those perennial favorites uh, is, will stay in the inventory. Is that a shift? Did I, do I understand correctly? Is that, is that a shift in how you're managing inventory uh, currently versus how you've managed it previously? I mean, absolutely, right? We have stayed nimble in the way that we, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the way that we manage inventory over the past six months, um, and uh, we kind of got ahead of it early on and implemented a number of different strategies. One of those was a pack and hold strategy, uh, where we're packing and holding, holding certain inventory that was going to be rolled out this year, um, and uh, and introducing it into future quarters. Um, and yeah, that that is a new strategy. Normally, we wouldn't be sitting on inventory, but given that stores were uh, closed for a couple of months. Uh, that is a strategy we're implementing. Uh, but our uh, perennial favorites and enduring 
icons or items that are uh, true to the roots brand and, uh, you know, repeating or, or kind of uh, come into uh, sales throughout the year. Um, and uh, we can, and it allows us to uh, manage that pretty effectively and, and de-risk our inventory. Right. Okay. Okay. That's, uh, that's great. That's it for me. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Brian Morrison of TD Securities. Your line is open. Hi, good morning, thank you. Um, Mona, can we just review that inventory number again? I just wanna make sure I understand it correct in terms of, did you say, because it looks like inventory year over year is up about 10% or seven, 10%. Did you say 70% of that inventory is perennial and, and enduring icons? And should we expect any promotional activity with the remaining 30%? Or can you just clarify that point, please? Yeah, absolutely. The 70% number is a number that uh, is, is kind of a general approximate number. That's uh, how we manage our inventory uh, normally. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, 70% is perennial favorites and enduring icons and, and is at less of a risk. Uh, the other 30% is seasonal product normally. Um, and uh, from a promotional activity perspective, we're staying on top of the inventory um, and uh, and uh, we'll be introducing promotions as needed to kind of get through this inventory. But uh, the 10% the increase in inventory is partly due to the pack and hold strategy, and we should expect to kind of see elevated uh, levels of inventory going into uh, kind of the end of the year as some of this is held for next year. So it shouldn't have an impact on gross margins. No, I think, Brian, and the promotional activity, to your point, um, so we've been pretty disciplined this year in terms of promotional activity, as you can see from our gross margins in Q1 and Q2. As we get into the second half of the year, you know, we tend to have more um, consistent promotional activity with the industry. So, you know, while we're continuing to be disciplined in our promotional activity, we, we will continue to look at seasonal stock and determine whether or not we have to take deeper discounts. Um, so far, we've been happy with our strategy there in terms of how that's flushing through. Um, I think what Mona's alluding to is the fact that when we came into the pandemic, we made a specific um, decision to actually pack up some inventory that we would bring into the, the, back into the company either the second half of this year or into 2021. And as a result, you'll see reductions in our inventory buys uh, to balance that off. And so uh, the inventory that you're seeing, the excess inventory you're seeing now, part of it relates to a strategy we've specifically taken to pack inventory up and bring it back into later seasons, which we can do given the amount of our product that's core. Okay, thank you. And then Megan, per perhaps you can talk about with the shift to e-commerce and the success of your pop-ups. I remember we talked about a potential for a rationalization of the Canadian footprint last quarter. Where do we stand mm -hmm. in terms of that? Yeah, so I mean, I think as we talked about last quarter, you know, coming into the pandemic, you know, 90% of our Canadian stores are profitable. And so as we've been going through the pandemic, we continue to evaluate our store base in, in a number of different ways. So we're looking at, you know, how the store performed pre-pandemic, how the store is currently performing, where we're seeing some shifts in retail hubs, you know, and how brand accreted the store location is to us. And then we're making a decision around when we close those doors. Um, really what we've done is we're looking at both the store expiries this year as well as store expiries next year and taking a, you know, really close look at what we think the right footprint is, you know, based on our store expiries. So, um, you know, we will, we are looking at uh, the right size of the store network for us, but it's not just uh, reducing stores. We are also looking at, you know, our relevant pop-ups in the marketplace. Um, so where we see, you know, decent rents or an opportunity for us to, you know, test out a new concept or test out a new product or, you know, get into a market that we think we have more upside potential, we are also opening pop-ups. And at this point, we've done two. We have two more opening, actually, within the next week. And so that will also be a strategy we look at as we look at our store footprint overall. Okay, thank you. And then last question, just in terms of the pillar of understanding your customer base, can you just elaborate mm -hmm. on what data you have in terms of you know, numbers, in terms of demographics, and your ability to increase that data to like, use it in a more rich manner? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think we talked about in the last quarter the fact that we had done a customer survey of 20,000 customers. And so, you know, we have quite a lot of data from that, that customer survey, which was completed at the end of last year. And that's something we will focus on refreshing as we go into the second half of this year and into 2021. Um, in addition to that, we do have a CRM database, which is Agile One, which allows us to capture quite a lot of rich information about our customer bases, both in an online and in-store manner. Um, and so we have the opportunity to really mine into that customer data to find out quite a lot of things about them in terms of their shopping habits with us. Um, and then also layering on to that from our customer surveys, you know, demographics and other uh, information on how they use our products. Um, so, so we do have an availability of data um, and we're turning our attention to mining that data and then taking the insights from that data and applying that across the company. Thank you. Your next question comes from Sabahat Khan of RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Right, thanks, and good morning. Um, just wanted to get some thoughts, uh, maybe high-level thoughts, on how you're thinking about e-commerce and your store footprint. And you indicated that obviously there was a big spike over the recent months with e-commerce. Are you maybe thinking about rejigging some of your stores to be maybe even more sort of e-commerce friendly, maybe shrinking some footprint if necessary? How are you thinking about that sort of medium and long term? Yeah, so I'll take that. So I think the good thing about Roots is that you're coming into this pandemic. We really had a, a pretty strong omnichannel business. I think we alluded to at the end of the Q4 that we had in excess of 20% of our sales are in e-commerce, and we already had the capabilities to do ship to store, ship from store, you know, pick up at store and curbside. Um, so the benefit of coming into this pandemic with that strong omnichannel capabilities means that you know a lot of our systems and capabilities are already in place to leverage our store network to, to fill from an omnichannel perspective. Um, I think, as I just mentioned with Brian's question, as we look at our store footprint, you know, we are looking at that store footprint in the context of how they performed prior to coming to the pandemic and how they're currently performing. And we are balancing off, you know, what stores you are going to continue to keep open versus stores that we might rationalize, uh, taking into consideration a number of different factors, including, you know, how brand creative they are, you know, where the retail hubs are, and also what we're seeing in terms of our ability to recapture those sales from an e-commerce perspective. Um, so we are definitely looking at that, but we feel pretty confident with our capabilities right now from an omni-channel perspective, given the investments we had previously made in the business actually pre-pandemic around our ability to use our you know, store network in this environment. Okay, great. And then maybe as we look sort of to the back half of the year, and you made some commentary on uh, your inventory position earlier on, and do you still expect to kind of benefit from some of that positive mix shift towards um, some of these higher margin sweat type products, uh, given that this work from home situation continues and maybe kids stay at home to some extent, how are you thinking about maybe the mix shift for the back half of the year? Um, from a back half of the year perspective, we don't expect to continue to be at margins to the level that we have in the first half of the year. Um, you know, we're entering a highly promotional area for the industry uh, kind of in the second half of the year, and uh, we will be promotional as others we will, will be as well. Uh, we are committed to long-term plan to reduce promotional activity and, and raise margins. Um, from a, sh a shift mix, I think, you know, I, I, I would expect that some of that will continue into the next quarter, but obviously the customer will kind of determine well, what they buy. Um, but we have an expectation that that, that might be happening, and uh, we're going to stay flexible within the current environment um, and uh, stay nimble as need be, whether customers show up or don't, and, and uh, kind of change strategies as, as required. Great, thank you. Again, if you would like to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from Matthew Lee of Canaccord. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Uh, 
I know that a lot of companies, you know, that have had earnings recently have started to state that, you know, Canadian wage subsidies are going to be lower in September. Um, can you provide any color on what you're seeing on that front or maybe, you know, some idea of what you expect to receive for Q3? Um, but yeah, so as you might know, the wage subsidy has been restructured for September onwards, and uh, the structure of it is quite dependent on sales declines uh, for companies, and there are a number of components to it. So as a result of that, uh, you know, the, the wage subsidy that we receive is going to be dependent on sales. Uh, we don't provide any guidance on sales, but I can't really provide any guidance on how much subsidies we expect to get, but um, I would imagine it would be less. Up to this point, it has been 75% of wages, and uh, the, the rates have been reduced by the government. So we would expect to get less. All right, thanks. And maybe you can give us a little bit more color in your strategy going to the back half with regards to maybe spurring uh, retail traffic given the potential for COVID-19 to push even further into F21. You know, I know you've been really judicious about offering discounts, but th we have mm -hmm. seen promotions heat up over the last couple of weeks. I mean, is that something that you can maybe use to, to push customers back into those retail stores? Yeah, I think we're going to continue to be disciplined around promotions. Um, you know, we have a long-term strategy um, at roots of, you know, being less promotional overall. We think we have some really excellent products, and we don't think we need to, you know, consistently offer them on sale to drive drive the customers to purchase those. And we, we actually have seen that so far this year, despite the pandemic, that our customers are buying our products with fewer promotions, um, you know, around the first half of the year. As we go into the second half of the year, um, I think as Mona alluded to, it's, it's generally a more promotional period industry-wide. You, know, you have Black Friday, you have Boxing Week, you have a lot of those different types of things. So we will continue to be consistent in terms of the way we uh, operate within those, you know, typical promotional um, periods. We are trying to maintain some flexibility. I mean, no one knows what's going to happen with the pandemic, whether or not we'll have a second wave. And so undoubtedly, if there's, you know, something significant that happens and we have to move more to be more promotional, uh, we will definitely be open to that. However, our long-term strategy is not to do that. I think from a traffic driving perspective, we are looking at multiple different ways to drive traffic, um, you know, outside of just using promotions. And I think we feel strongly about the fact that we have a good product offering that should encourage our customers to go in our stores, um, regardless of promotions. Can you maybe highlight some of those other ways that you're driving traffic? Sure. Um, so, you know, as an example, we have, um, you know, different promotions, different promotions on the road, different events that we're running in stores over the next couple of weeks. So we have things like, um, you know, come to the store and buy a sweater and may do uh, customized patches. Um, we're doing more advertising around our ability to come in stores and do customized jackets, which is something that we can uniquely offer given our, our leather factory in Canada. Um, we're right. doing a, a lot more around um, things like pop-ups, um, where you know we have the kids-only pop-up that opens in Sherway Gardens, and that you know that for us is actually very successful to have a kids-only store. And we're doing a couple more of the kids-only stores as we in a couple other locations in Canada. Um, so we're doing a lot of different things, a lot of different marketing activities, as well as a lot of different communications to our customers um, that provide them a unique experience in store that other brands that you cannot offer. That's great, and then. Um can you give us any kind of color around, you know, how much rent abatements were in the quarter? Um, yeah, I think actually that's disclosed in uh, in our uh, financials. So the rent abatements were in the quarter about $1.3 million. Um, and, uh, you know, that's not the full uh, extent of the abatements. We can recognize the abatements as we kind of sign contracts with our landlords. So we should expect more in future quarters. All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. There are no further questions at this time. I will now return the call to Ms. Roach for closing comments. Thank you, Operator. That concludes our prepared remarks. We thank everyone for joining us today, and we wish you all a great week.
This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.